Okay, so I have a question for you. You grow up with a drop zone in your backyard. Now a drop zone is not where someone comes and drops dead bodies. It's where you have skydivers that come and you take off in airplanes and you drop down from the airplane into your backyard or wherever. That's how Melanie Curtis grew up with a dad who was a pilot and taking all his classes he was offering. And she was afraid to even try skydiving until she was 18. And then she says when she did it, the time she did it and she landed and she realized she didn't die, that her life was forever altered. And she went on from there to become a world champion skydiver and being in the skydive business until she says she heard a little voice one day that said, this is great, it's wonderful, I love it, but is this all there is? And we all recognize that voice. Um, even those of us who have wonderful careers, wonderful families, whatever, there is often a time where you say to yourself, or a couple times in your life where you say, is this all there is or should there be more? And so what she did is she really dug into that question and she became a life coach. And it's, this is a wonderful discussion. This is not just anybody becoming a life coach. We, we love our life coaches, but this is bringing a unique perspective to it and a unique um, twist on it, which is why I think it's so interesting. So anyway, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Melanie Curtis and how you transition from throwing yourself out of airplanes to helping other people who feel like they've just been thrown out of an airplane because of what's going on in their lives. So it's an actually very interesting kind of transition. So hello, Melanie. So good to see you again. You've already done our CNC and now we're doing the podcast. It's great. I'm so, I'm so glad to be here. I love it. Great. Well, the coffee and conversation was fantastic. Everybody has to go and, and listen to it. It's been posted in the Covey Connect app. Um, and you were just wonderful. So here we want to talk about, oh my God, your reinvention, your multiple reinventions. Let's start with your growing up. I still love this. Growing out, up with a airplane jump. I'm not going to use the wrong terminology. <laughs> um, you know, runway in your uh, your household, in your house, and, and yes. that's what you did. So maybe talk a little bit about where you grew up and how you grew up around throwing yourself out of airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, I was just visiting my dad yesterday and we took a flight out of the backyard. I basically grew up around aviation. My dad's a pilot. And so I was around aviation my whole life and have basically my dad opened a skydiving center at our house when I was a young kid. And so I started growing up around skydiving and I sat through the first jump course a million times and it just, I was just exposed to skydiving at a young age. And so I could have done it at 16, but I was too afraid. I just really wasn't ready. And then one day when I was 18, it basically was like, I'm sick of being nervous and afraid of doing this. Oh, I'm just going to do it. So I sort of got to that point where the next day I sat through the first jump course again, but with the real intention of jumping. And then when I jumped, for me, it was one and done. I was forever altered. You know, it was one of those things. How could you ever jump out of a perfectly good airplane? And I contest that that 
statement has is missing a phrase at the end where it's like, how could you jump out of a perfectly good airplane or I could never do that and live? You know, there's some deeper fear of, of death, of, of safety, which is totally understandable given it's a physical activity that totally puts us in the face of mortal danger. But yeah, so when I landed from that skydive and I was not dead, <laughs> you know, like when I was alive, it basically just rewired my brain pretty much instantly. And I didn't even know it at the time because I was 18 years old, young, and just kind of starting to figure out who I was at all in light, who, what life was about. So yeah, it's that transition or that uh, mindset shift that anytime I feel fear, I need to at least question whether it's accurate. That has underpinned my entire adult life and everything that I've been able to achieve in both sport and business and personally. So for people who are not willing to jump out of a plane to find that, yes, <laughs> yes. and yeah. that would include me, yeah. um, is it that you just have put yourself through the worst and so that's why you think that and then do you become reckless after that with your physical being? Yeah, no, absolutely not. That, that's a really great distinction to make because it is not about being reckless. Like I'm oddly a risk averse person despite being a professional skydiver. But the other thing that is a part of my story is that I'm also a life coach and an entrepreneur, business owner. I've been an entrepreneur for 12 years, a life coach for about 12 years. And the premise of, you know, cliche, the cliche phrase of being brave, but like when we really connect to what that could look like, yeah, some people really find freedom and release and mind opening life experiences in physical ac activities, whether it's skydiving or some, climbing a big mountain or whether it's, I don't know, doing something that they just think they can't do, public speaking, anything that really gets us feeling that edge, you know, in us. And so, for some people, it could be having a tough conversation with someone that they love. It could be stepping away from a friendship that they know is not working for them anymore. It could be lots of different things. And so like really the idea of being brave is, is one thing. And the idea of getting through hard times is another version of that. So what I think is probably relevant to share is the transition that I went through from professional skydiving into life coaching is, is a key experience in my evolution as a person and certainly as an entrepreneur. But basically, I was running this, a drop zone in Southern California. I was a professional skydiver. I was loving my life. I earned a salary to compete with my teams, to create events at this place that I love to coach other people. It was really wonderful. I loved it. And one day, I will literally never forget this moment. I was walking across the drop zone, the place that I worked and loved being at. And I walked across, it was like this gravel driveway. And I had a just a little sort of tingle of intuition and it, cause it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't like, Hey girl, listen, it was kind of like, Hey, I'm back here. And what luckily I listened to that because what that said to me was, 
I knew I was really happy doing professional skydiving and I really was. But what it was telling me was that I knew that if that was all that I did, I, I wouldn't be happy. Like if that version of my life and my professional success, if that's all that I did, I just knew it wasn't going to be enough for me. And so because I listened to that intuition and I said, well, what, I'm really happy. If I didn't do this, what would I do? So I went on this sort of personal inquiry to go, well, what do I like? What am I good at? And I started to brainstorm. I started to write down a bunch of different things that I thought maybe I would enjoy. I basically wrote down what a life coach is without knowing life coaching existed back then. And did a bunch of research online, just really dove into this sort of personal inquiry and research phase of what would I do next if I wanted to do something. And, you know, if we talk about tactical approaches to reinventing ourselves, those are two things that I would absolutely hugely highlight is really to begin practicing listening to our intuition, being brave enough to listen to it, to lean into it, and to really be boots on the ground, starting to learn more if you're not sure what to do next. So that's how ultimately I got onto my life coaching path. So then you went, did you go whole hog into life coaching and skip the, you, you dropped out of um, skydiving or were you doing both or did all your clients have to jump out of a plane? <laughs> no, goodness gracious, no. <laughs> they are uh, they are two separate uh, but parallel paths for sure. I most definitely don't think skydiving is for everyone at all. It just it is and was for me. Life coaching is very much. I I was building my life coaching business as my professional skydiving career was reaching its height. So I was traveling the world as a professional skydiver, as a headlining coach. So I was getting to coach people around the world at, at events. So I got exposed to so many different cultures and mindsets and, and just different relationships and friendships that, gosh, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for. And as I was doing that work and being sort of very immersed in that life, I was also every day when I got home from the trips that I was taking or the events that I was leading or working at, I was building, trying to become a new and, and burgeoning life coach. And what does that look like entrepreneurially back in the day doing go to webinar, whatever it was, whatever, whatever the software was back then that we were doing webinars and recording classes and all of that stuff. But yeah, because I was building them side by side and, you know, of course, was trying to be a human being and have a life, th that very quickly led me to a major period of burnout where I totally crashed and burned in a lot of different ways. My life kind of blew up. And so we talk about working through the really hard parts of our, li of our life when we're faced with challenges that we wouldn't choose we then get to sort of strip away and get insight into those things that got us into that situation in the first place. So really taking a growth mindset, a reflective mindset, a self-reflective mindset into what preceded where we are now so that we can basically figure out what's working for us and what's not. 
so that when we do make a choice to transition or change or be brave in a new direction, that we're not just blindly going with an unconscious pattern that doesn't serve us. And so how do the two differ and how do the two seem the same to you having done both? The two? Coaching skydiving and then you're coaching people. I mean, in many ways, isn't life coaching the same kind of thing? You're, you know, and for many people, I think, you know, in certain parts of their lives, they do feel like they're being thrown out of a plane mentally. Yes. Right? I mean, if they lose a job or they lose a spouse or, I mean, you know, is there any connection there for you? Oh yeah. It's, it's very and hugely connected. My skydiving career and my engagement in the sport of competitive skydiving, but also again, meeting people from all different walks of life who have all kinds of various goals in how they want to participate in skydiving and just how they want to connect with a community that they want to be a part of. You know, they want to make friends. They want to feel welcome. They want to feel accepted. Those are our huge core tenets of being a a leader and a coach who helps people do those things, who helps people find ways to, to access those feelings. And so anyway, relative to skydiving comparatively to life coaching in terms of goal setting and being brave and all those things that we just talked about is that interestingly, skydiving it depends on how you focus on it, but most people engage in the sport and they end up having some kind of, you know, goals that they want to do, whether they join a team and they want to be competitively successful or they want to learn to fly vertically versus horizontally, whether they want to fly a wingsuit or fly their parachute in a different way. There's so many things that we can learn. And those are obviously more external goals, but they're connected to something that emotionally is very charged for most people in that sport and community. And so life coaching parallels it so much in that when we get access to doing things externally and we are achieving and we've faced fear and we've done all those cliche things, but really when we're, when we're being and living into courage, the reality of that is powerful. And so we parallel that with basically helping people start to do deep emotional work as well. So I'm not a therapist, but the work that I do most definitely helps and supports people who are on a therapeutic path, who are looking to uncover blind spots in their emotional well-being and they're looking to decode patterns that they might have picked up when they were a kid or from traumatic experiences that they've had along the way. And so that type of bravery, I feel like I have personally unlimited energy for. It is definitely the great joy of my work and I'm so, so thankful people give me the honor of, of being their teammate in that type of way. So yeah, it is very, very parallel. And what do you find that keeps people from being brave the most? What do you see over time? Do you have like a, a bucket list of things that stand in people's way? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, the obvious one is fear and not knowing what to do, feeling paralyzed. And so that's why when we talk about 
having a support system or teammates or learning, preparing a bit more so that we can take the smallest first step. So those are things that we can do relative to when fear comes up and we can feel it in our way. We can feel it keeping us paralyzed. We can feel the uncertainty and therefore our inability to make a decision. So like those types of experiences, I would point to fear. Um, other things that I would say get in people's way of moving forward is they are unconscious to what's possible. And so one of the things that I talk about a lot as a life coach and writer and, and certainly as a skydiving coach and leader as well is we just don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And one of my favorite things to say about that is that we are so much more capable than we ever currently think we are. As in, I might think right now that I can do X, Y, Z things, but really I can do X, Y, Z, A, B, C things. I just haven't really thought about that or it hasn't entered my consciousness. Does that make sense? Totally. So that with that, I would have people re just remind themselves of that. Remind themselves that there's so much they cannot see at every single stage, like literally every moment. There's so much beyond what we currently think is possible for ourselves. How do you help people find that thing? Do you get people coming to you who are trying to find whatever they know they have to reinvent? It's either because they're losing their job, they lost their job, they're about to be pink slipped, their mm -hmm. corporation's going out of business, their sector's dying. I mean, there's a thousand different reasons why. Um, how do you get them through the first steps of trying to figure out what is that? What is the thing that means something to me? Do you have any techniques? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, what I would say first, and this is, I'm a huge proponent of getting a professional on your team. So yeah, we have our friends, we have our family who we can dive into and we have, you know, our communities and those things are super, super good, you know, to, surround ourselves with people who we can have real and rich conversations with such that we might get some safe, loving, reflective insight into what might be holding us back and or to help us uncover what we might actually want to go after, but we just hadn't touched yet. And so those types of conversations are really important. And so that's why as a life coach, that's essentially what we do. It's just that in that container, in that conversational container, you're working with a pro who is holding space entirely for you, entirely safely, non-judgmentally for you to explore. And so, yeah, it takes time to build trust and relationship of any kind, even with a professional, but it is a different type of relationship than with, say, a best friend who is going to love you in a different way, who is going to reflect back to you in a different way. So it's not to say that those conversations are not valuable. They are wildly valuable. It's just to say that if people are considering this type of thing and they have the resources and or wherewithal and or desire to try something new, that's something I would suggest. And I'm not saying that just because that's what I do for part of my living. You know, hire me if you want to, but really it's like hire anybody that's a pro that you think would be a good teammate for you. And what do you, how long does it generally take for someone to get the people you've worked with, for example, to get from... I know I need to reinvent, but I'm not sure 
what that means. Is it, it is, yeah. months? Ahead, is it weeks? Is it years? Or is everybody different? What is your It's experience? entirely variable. It's entirely variable. Some, one of my clients that I ended up working with for a couple of years, because again, it depends on how people like to use the work. And it can be you know, sign up for a three month stint and go through the trajectory of, yay, I'm, I'm getting help to like, oh God, this is really hard work and to like, oh, okay, I think I'm getting it. I feel like I see. So there's that sine wave of emotional, uh, sort of an emotional experience that people usually go through when they start working with, uh, you know, more professional teammates where they're psyched that they've even done it. That's the sort of initial high. And then we're faced with the actual real work of looking at ourselves and facing our fear and doing the things that we don't want to do or whatever it is. And once we kind of have the support and get through that sort of trough at the beginning, then we start to just start to have access to what we can do with that type of process and support and accountability. And so some people have insight straight away, you know, in the first week. And other people really need some time to be cared for and, and need a, a safer, just more patient process. So it, it totally depends. But what I can tell you is that for the people that I've worked with short term and the people that I've worked with long term is that it's an ascending sine wave no matter what and how long you do it is that you can do it for a short period and you can get a little bit of result. And as you work long-term in this type of way, you will have ups and downs along that way too. And so that's all part of it. And so that's what I would invite people to embrace no matter how they lean into growth or personal discovery or their own just research into what they want to do next. How does your experience as a coach differ? What do you bring from your past? Because yours is quite physical and different. Do you think you bring anything different than the average coach who's out there? Like, do you bring a knowledge of, I mean, and I, and I really do believe um, in many cases, things, you know, when you've experienced the worst, then you are free to move on, like getting fired yeah. from a job. Sometimes right. then that, you know, that's your biggest fear. And once it happens, you're like, then absolutely free to really be yourself because you no longer have that fear. Are there things like that that you bring to it? Can you see any connections? Oh, sure. For sure. I mean, there's a couple of things that come to my mind when you ask that type of question relative to depth of connection and ability to, to be with someone in their pain. Hell yeah. I, interestingly, so I, I mentioned sort of my life blowing up. I totally went through a period where I got divorced. I moved. I, my, my business was struggling. I was obviously heartbroken. I had, you know, my life was very much instantaneously for the most part, just gone, you know, that, that real smithereens moment. And when you rebuild and you heal through those dark days and those real reckoning moments of, of life, those things they clear away all the stuff that we don't need to keep around. If we, if we look at those things as opportunities to grow and opportunities to choose differently, it's, I'm not saying that stuff is easy. It is not. But 
what it's given me, I mean, it's given me so much on the, on the personal side. I'm a, just such a more resilient, grounded, you know, secure person because of the healing work that I've done. But in terms of life coaching, it has absolutely given me so much more power and peace and presence holding space for people who are really working through difficult stuff. So that's one thing for sure. I think there are probably many coaches out there that can hold that kind of space. So that's a big deal. The other thing that I thought of, which made me kind of laugh, is skydiving is a really fun environment. It's it's meant to be sort of a playground. It's got that culture of you're having a really good time. Skydiving itself, the freedom and the fun and in the literal act of flying is for the people who like doing that is off the charts. It's crazy fun. And we have these stupid parties where we dress up in costumes and people really get to just really feel free and feel accepted. And so Part of that is being just sort of nonsensical. My personal value, I hugely believe that love and hilarity are the two most important things in life in that order. And so love first, always holding that loving space, being love, being light, that absolutely resonates with me. And God, life is comedy. There's so much nonsense that we face all the time. It's so ridiculous what happens and so we are ridiculous as human beings. And I, I say that in such a loving, positive way, such that when we are facing these experiences of deep pain and we're trying to do this deep emotional work with this life coach that you hire, you know, what I bring concurrently to that real strong present space. And again, I'm not even trying to promote myself. Like this is something we can do for people that we love. You know what I mean? We can hold space like that and we can bring lightness and humor into that work. One of the things that I witnessed a lot in my skydiving coaching is that people will get so attached to these outcomes. They'll get so intense and so focused on their competitive goals that I would always bring fun and humor and lightness to those periods. And it's proven time and time again to me in skydiving coaching and life coaching, that fun and excellence are not mutually exclusive. And not only that, I can test that fun is a magnifier to people's success because our goals aren't going away just because we're having a good time. It's just that we're ac actually able to have a more enjoyable experience while we're doing the work toward working toward our bigger goals. So interesting. Do you find that people who can do physically dangerous things or scary things can do the mental scary things too, or are they a different animal? Are they, cause I, I can do, I'll put myself in all kind of mental scary places, but you couldn't get me to put my body there. So <laughs> right. is that, is that a personality thing or do the two relate or are they completely unrelated? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the answer, the straight answer is I don't know. What I would say in my experience is that some people, this, this is one of the beautiful things about skydiving for me as a life coach is that I've definitely seen it. And it was for me, it was a awesome stepping stone into personal development and deeper healing and emotional 
growth, emotional strength, emotional bravery. There are other people that I've witnessed and other things I've experienced where people who, and I certainly was this back in the day when I had lower levels of consciousness in my own self, is that some people absolutely use the physical and the, and the external as avoidance for staying away from emotional bravery. They use it as a wall. And so I invite everyone, all of us, myself included, to continually reflect and to look at that and go, what am I doing or have I done or any, something like that that might be a perceptible comfort zone, you know, that might be a way I'm avoiding trying something new, you know? And so I thought about this, thinking about this interview going, what would I say toward to someone looking to reinvent themselves? You know, and I've said a few things already, but trying new things is it, it sounds so just trite, but it, when we think about it in, in terms of the things that we really want to avoid, that's where the electricity is found. Like, ooh, I don't want to go to get a therapist or, oh, I don't want to whatever, like that type of stuff. Oh, I don't want to have that type of, or I don't want to talk about that thing with, with my girlfriend, boyfriend, mom, whatever, like whatever thing that we can sense we're avoiding, lean into those areas and you'll find some real power and breakthrough almost certainly. So in our closing here, usually I ask for tips and tricks, but we've got them all from you, you <laughs> unless there's anything else you want to tell us. But I was going to, yeah, I was, was going to ask you, um, are there any sort of do's and don'ts for people who want to reinvent the way you're reinventing? Like if they've been in a very physical business, say they're competitive swimmers or they're, they might be in some other kind of very physical business um, and they're reinventing into a more emotional zone. Mm-hmm. Were there any things you discovered that you needed to know about as, you know, making sure you had an outlet here or there? Were you able just to transition? No problem. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, I was not able to transition. No problem. And that's what I would invite people to remember is it's super understandable. And I've seen this, absolutely seen this in all versions of my coaching and definitely in myself is that everybody, and I have never seen not, I literally not one person have I ever seen myself included. We, everybody wants it to go faster than it does. And it tends to be a long game. So we can have these absolutely have short-term successes and those are what build into the big picture wins, you know, but like it's, it's taken me a long, long time to feel convicted and confident and really just owning, really being an ownership of myself as a, as a life coach, as a person who is in the personal development space. And there was a huge section of my time and transition into that work and into that sort of uh, just identity piece that I now embody is that I really didn't want to talk about skydiving. There was a like five-year period where I was super bugged when people wanted to talk about skydiving still because it was really this sexy and cool and very just, you know, understandably interesting piece of my career. And it's totally real. 
but there was a part of me that felt like that piece was holding me back from being and growing into the life coach thing that I wanted to grow into. So what I had to really get to was understanding that all the pieces of our experience tend to support and magnify and champion and uplift our next chapters. And so I would just invite people who are wanting to move on from something to try to find how that chapter that they're moving forward from actually supports and magnifies positive possibilities in their next effort. Awesome. Melanie, thank you. Fantastic. And yes, and I think you should always talk about it because it's a very glamorous, interesting background that (laughs) intrigues people. Well, because it's so unique. It's, that's Mm -hmm. what's so cool about it. And um, it doesn't uh, blot out what you're doing now. It kind of adds the intrigue to it. So I think it's a, a wonderful background to have had and um, I'm so glad that you've talked about it with us. Yeah, so thank well, of you. course. Yeah, now I don't mind talking about it at all. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, back then I was like, yes, this, I oh, understand. Stop. Yeah. So no, tell absolutely. me, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and how they can find you. Yeah, anybody who wants to reach out to me personally, I always welcome that. My email is mel at melaniecurtis.com. And my website is melaniecurtis.com. The podcast that I do with my a professional skydiving colleague, Jason Maledsky, is trustthejourney.today if you want to hear more of our stories. And uh, highlightskydiving.com is the initiative that we're working on now, uh, aiming to and raising conversations of gender equality and equality at large using skydiving demonstration jumps. Wow. Awesome. That's amazing. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. about that because that now I'm going to bring you in for another thing. <laughs> Sounds good. It's like, I'm like at the point of like, oh God, there's sexism in those things mm-hmm. too. It's like, oh yeah, it's everywhere. Like, oh my God, please don't say that. But I can imagine. Thank mm-hmm. you, Melanie. And Thank you. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Leslie. So thank you for joining us to hear Melanie Curtis talk about her personal transformation. And if you enjoyed this, I hope you'll subscribe to Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. And I hope you'll also mosey over to thecoveyclub.com and you will see all our great content for Women 40 Plus. And I hope you'll also come join us. We are really having a great time doing amazing webinars and coaching sessions that you can all join. You don't have to be a member yet to join. You can buy a ticket and come. They're very inexpensive. We want you to join. And our Monday mornings, which are called Positive Mornings, um, where we bring our two Covey reinvention coaches, it's free. So come join us on Monday mornings. You can find the link in on our site under attend and look for Positive Mornings. And I hope that you will also uh, give us, if you like the podcast, that you will give us some a review or some stars and you'll share it with friends who need inspiration and tactical help with how do you reinvent yourself. We are so excited that we can actually show you people who've done it and so that you no longer have to be afraid. And that's our goal. Take care.